Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark and coming up on today's episode I'm going to be joined by Dustin Kensrew, the singer from the band Frice, also the podcast host from one of my favourite new podcasts, Carry the Fire, and just someone that can sing better than anyone else in the world and write the best songs. I really do truly mean that. Thrice are one of my favourite bands of all time, probably actually my favourite, so to know I got the opportunity to get him back on Mark and Me was a dream come true. Then to be told I could do it face to face during their UK headline tour with Refused was an even better dream come true, so I'm absolutely buzzing to have him join me today on the Mark and Me podcast. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, you know the score by now, I like to touch base and talk about the last episode. So this was a two-parter with Scott Mosier. Now Scott hasn't done podcasts for a long time, especially with Kevin Smith and the Smodcast community, so to get him on Mark and Me was a huge deal, and I never expected the numbers to be as high as they were, and it was actually official put out there on social media only recently. Scott Mosier is now my most downloaded podcast I've ever released, so thank you for everyone that listened and checked out that podcast and again reading all the tweets the facebook comments the emails was just unbelievable so thanks for all the positivity and the amazing support that you guys give me but like i said i was lucky enough to go to frice's uk show just recently in birmingham and sit down with dustin so let's just get straight to it here's me and dustin talking all things podcast For joining me face to face this time. Yeah, glad to. So, for those listeners out there that have just tuned in who have not heard of Fries before, all I want to do is give them a little insight to the early work of you guys. So, you've been going 20 years, which is hell of an achievement with the original lineup. Yeah, same, same peeps. It's pretty uh, rad. Yeah, that's really cool. What I want to do is just at the start, so when I first spoke to you, you were telling me that you first grew up listening to stuff like Michael Jackson records. Uh, yeah, I grew up. Well, I grew up listening to Michael Jackson. I grew up listening to uh, a bunch of uh, like my parents' classic rock stuff, uh, you know, Zeppelin, Beatles, Stones, stuff like that. So some really good stuff to help shape the foundation of your music taste. Yeah, I think especially Beatles were probably super, super foundational. Listening yeah. to that a lot growing up. When you have those foundations in place, at what point was it that you wanted to pick up a guitar and actually start writing songs? Because it's different listening to actually trying to do it yourself, isn't it? Yeah, um, I I don't know, something about guitar just seems cool, you know, like it's, <laughs> as a kid you're like, that's cool. I used uh, to stand with a guitar in the mirror, pretending yeah. I was in Green I mean, Day like, and Nirvana. I can, and... I can play air guitar really good, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I must be able to play real guitar. I was so good at air guitar. Yeah. Um, yes, so I started playing junior high and just there's like a clag and elective you could take and play a little bit and... It was mostly everyone just going outside and teaching each other, you know, a Metallica song or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just started then and uh, yeah. would fool around with writing songs, but didn't didn't play really in a band until a bit later in high school. Tried to start something with Tepe really briefly, uh, our guitarist in Thrice, and then we actually started Thrice. A, a little bit after that so that was my senior year I think yeah yeah so uh, but yeah I, I I never 
thought I was a very good guitarist, but I feel like playing long enough, like I've found my own. Kind of, I'm, I'm definitely not a very technical guitarist. But, no. But uh, <laughs> like how quick you're like, no, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> no, but you and you and Tepe kind of split it now. When you first started, he was doing on all the sort of solo stuff on artists and the albums, all the sort of twiddly stuff. Where now you take, I've seen you do a lot more. As you yeah, I'll do. I, and it's it's just stuff that's like more natural to how I play. Yeah. So, yeah. No, you're a good guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> so, at what point was it that you knew you had a good vocal? Because obviously, being a singer and frontman is not easy in a band, especially with a guitar in your hand. But at what point were you? Were you sitting there in the mirror when you're air guitaring, singing along, or was someone uh, telling you had a great voice? I would actually play all the time and sing, like, just around, so I'd uh, just be out with friends skateboarding, and I would, I sucked at skateboarding, so I'd be, I'd bring my guitar, and I'd <laughs> yeah. screw around singing, um, yeah, I, I, so I would just sing all the time, really, and I think got slowly better at it, um, I'd go, like, busk with my friend down beach or whatever and get a few bucks that's amazing uh yeah so as introverted as i am i I always liked something about performing and then with your band what i love about fries is when someone says to me what's your favorite fries album it's not about what's my favorite it's about what my mindset's in so if i'm Mm. going on a night out i want the rocky heavy early stuff but if i get in i want the melodic more mellow stuff especially stuff off palms and beggars but you evolve as a band. Like you would, you don't sound like the same band that you did 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Is that a conscious effort when you go into the studio, or is it just a fact that you've all improved as songwriters and you've evolved, like bands like Radiohead and stuff that don't sound like the early bands ever? Yeah, well, I think Radiohead's a good touchstone because we've always really appreciated that they just forged ahead and did whatever they wanted yeah and even if when you first heard the record you're like I don't know what's happening uh, <laughs> yeah Kid A I was like what the uh, yeah, fuck Kid A I just sat with for two weeks and finally it clicked yeah um, but so that's always inspired us I think oh, I mean the Beatles too just yeah. kind of hit that point they're like no we're just gonna do whatever we want and it'll be weird um, so yeah we've I think it's been a conscious effort for us always to push ourselves um, forward and, and try new things, combine new things. Um, I think VC is the first time we actually really achieved that the way we wanted to. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> from then on, it's been, it's a bit of like re- you react to what you did too. So VC, we did VC and then we're like, I had the idea for the Alchemy Index and that was almost taking VC and like blowing it up into all these different directions yeah, and then reacted to that did Beggars which is super super stripped down and kind of pulled back on the tones and um, wanted to feel almost like more like a, a 70s rock record like the, the, the way it felt and not overly compressed and pushed in your face um, yeah so it was a bit of like reacting to ourselves too and wanting to just keep you know keep it interesting really I mean, the Alchemy Index is the perfect example of how a band can be so versatile and so so different. You know, the songs on there, like the real mellow stuff with the synths, like Open Water and stuff like that, but then you've got the heavy side. But you actually did all that yourself, didn't you? You recorded, produced it, did it all your own. Yeah, that one and Beggars, we did all our own. But someone else makes Beggars, but... Um, yeah, and we, and we did a lot of palms on our own, too. Um, but I think for that record, it really, 
it, it never would have turned out the way it did had we not done it ourselves because we just had the freedom to go follow all these different trails and someone trying to produce it would have lost their mind I think yeah. just being like, what, are you, what are you guys doing like, the um, fact you guys didn't split up from trying to do that huge project on your own like how many tracks is it is it 24, 24 yeah. yeah that's hell of a hell of it's like the melancholy from pumpkins you've got absolutely shit loads of songs yeah it's such a big project it was huge and it it took a while it was fun doing it though especially because we were kind of recording while we were writing which is not usually how we do it yeah um so that was fun. It was it was definitely I think a huge growing experience for us, and I uh, I don't remember that one being super stressful writing. Maybe I'm probably wrong now. <laughs> now looking back, it doesn't seem as bad, but at the moment you might have been like, Christ, I don't want to do this. Yeah, it was hard uh, lyrically writing that many songs in that short of time period. Yeah. Uh, as a band that tours so hard and have been on the scene for so long, the industry's getting tougher, you know, it's all streaming services now and people don't buy records, but you guys decided to have a hiatus and step away for a bit. Um, is that why you think you've come back stronger than ever and you've got that passion again, that you, you seem to have that absolute love for it again? I think it was really, really healthy to, to step away. I mean, we've been going so long. Um, and some bands have a bit of a slower schedule like between records but yeah. it always has been tight for us just because to kind of make a living doing it at our level you have to keep touring a certain amount um so that's really where you make uh, most of your money yeah uh, and so you gotta like restart a touring cycle having a record to do so uh it was always a bit quicker than than we'd want um even though we love writing uh, the music it's like you wish you had like a lot of time to do it so um, yeah so I think for us it just always felt really compressed like the whole cycle and we never had a break so <clears throat> when we took that break uh, I mean it was hard for everyone I think in different ways but it coming back definitely felt very refreshed very renewed about how we looked at the whole thing we were able to kind of try to set some new rhythms and yeah uh, yeah it was it was really really healthy as a listener i won't lie when a band say they're going to hiatus you kind of think the worst you think oh fuck that's a protected way of saying we're done mm -hmm. and it was so nice when you came back with was it major minor uh yeah yeah and it was no just sorry no major minor was right before right uh, uh to be everywhere is yeah and then the first time then i heard hurricane i was like okay these guys are back with a vengeance you seem to be so much more into it the live shows you could tell that you guys were loving it again it was it was awesome yeah I mean I, I think during that whole major minor thing it was just a heavy time too so it was probably not the best time to see us probably I don't know it was just heavy with a lot of death around us and it was brutal so and we were, knew we were like taking the break and it, so it just all felt really really heavy um but yeah, it's it's definitely feeling um, very free and uh, exciting to be doing this. How do you find the balance? Because obviously you're a father, you've got obviously other things outside of your um, music career. You've got your podcast now, Tepe's got his designer industry for belts and levers and all this, but you've all got your other projects that you do and other bands even. Do you think you've now got a healthier balance because it isn't 
10 months touring and solidly on the road and not seeing the loved ones yeah some of it is we really try to limit uh, tours to like three weeks if we can like yeah three and a half and then if if we have to push it it'll push it to like five or something but um that's helpful because we used to do like six seven eight and it's, it's a lot worse yeah <laughs> um so that's helpful and then yeah it's it's always hard to, to balance it it's just it's a much bigger stressor on everything than you would realize I think it just it throws the rhythm of like your family's life off every time you go um, so that's always hard I when I'm home I do like I try to just take over and let my wife she works too so it's kind of crazy when I'm home kind of tap or when I'm gone. And just take over I'm yeah so now. it's like alright I got I got the kids I got I'm gonna cook I'm gonna clean do laundry stuff try to just take all that like house stuff away and kids are like just just take that stuff off her plate so um yeah you get, you get like a list. sometimes better than others but do you get like a you owe me three weeks worth of school runs now and yeah. <laughs> no i just i just, it's just I, I just try to just be like all right you get to tap out and you can go to work and yeah yeah enjoy enjoy the kids and i'll deal with their craziness I want to start talking about your podcast, but just before I do, we're obviously sat here now, you're starting your UK tour, and you've got a co-headline with one of my favourite bands, Refused. How is that? That must be a really good feeling, knowing that you're going on the road now, you've got some European dates, with such a band that just blown it out of the water again with a new album. Uh, it's really cool. Wait, so this is the first day, yeah, so um, I haven't even seen the guys yet, actually, but we are really, really, really excited to to be out with them they've been a favorite of all of ours uh for a long time obviously ship punk is just legacy beast. i mean I, I i generally tell people i think it might be the best heavy record of all time like it's it's so good yeah. um so yeah we're we're really happy to be out with them awesome so now let's get to the podcast stuff which i've been waiting to talk to you about uh i was so excited when it came out of nowhere because you didn't do any teasers or anything it was like this is a Patreon, this is what I've got, this is what's going to happen. And the response online for it, I thought, all I saw was the logo, the Carry the Fire logo, and I saw that you were attached to it, and I was like, this is going to be good. <laughs> and you were getting people buying in before you'd even released an episode. So you are getting people, you know, donating via Patreon, signing up. And, you know, I've been at it now for nearly a year and a half, and I've, I've not got, you know, <laughs> 10 or 20% of what you've got, and it's been such a good response straight away. You must have been so proud by the initial sign up yeah I mean and obviously most of those people are I mean all of them beforehand are going to be signing up because they you know believe in what I've done in the band and on yep. my own and, and um, so that's that's really really cool I mean I feel like it's the, kind of the same bind we get with people trusting us to make another record and be like pre-ordering it yeah. like, I, I know I trust that you're going to do something and put everything into it make it good um so yeah that was that was very encouraging uh and i uh, part of the reason i launched that first was i wanted to get people able to be involved uh as i was starting to record because i was starting before i started releasing them so getting questions for guests and stuff like that uh, yeah so what was it that made you want to do a podcast is it a fact that you listen to a lot of podcasts yourself or um i do listen to a lot of podcasts uh the idea kind of came into my head uh, of trying to do something that is, you know, looking at the big questions through the lens of the good, the true, and the beautiful. 
and having a just a variety of people on and trying to talk about these things in a way that uh, highlights our common humanity. Yeah, uh, I, I think especially kind of in the fractured space that the, the world is in right now, like it. Obviously, you can't like reconcile all the things, but you you can learn to disagree and to to hear from people who you might not agree with on a bunch of stuff, but to hear how they look at the good and the true and the beautiful and and realize that it overlaps a lot of the ways that you do um, and can even expand the way that you do. So that that idea came into my head and I just I kind of sat with it and it wasn't going away. So that's usually a sign that I want to pursue something. yeah, so I, I started looking into it. I was going to try to do it all on my own and try to do it like maybe once a month and worked a bunch trying to get it going. And then I, like almost last minute, I <clears throat> talked to my buddy and uh, ended up asking him to like produce it. And yeah. so that allowed it to like step up to be once a week. And so we'll see how that goes. But it, it seems like it's working well so far. It's great. Um, I love the fact that I didn't know what it was going to be about. You said you put on there answering the biggest questions that we all have, that sort of stuff. Some early people, when you announced you were doing a podcast, Fry's fans must have been like, is he going to talk about his favourite records? Is he going to talk about bands he's toured with? Life on the Road with Fry's. But I love the fact that you launched with Samir from Young the Giant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just, I'll be honest, I haven't heard that band. I've not heard of him. But then I was engaged in the episode. I listened to the interview. And then straight away I was like, I'm going to listen to the band. I'm going to check out more stuff, which is cool. probably part of the purpose why you do these things, to introduce new people to the public out there. Yeah. I, and I think there will be, you know, if you look at it over the long run, maybe slightly more like musicians on there than uh, other people just because I have better access to that. Yeah. But, but I mean, my hope is that it would be really balanced to where you're, you're hearing from a musician and a philosopher and a scientist and a you know, therapist. And like, I just, I really want it to be brought in from, you know, you're going to hear from, uh, so already we've had, uh, like, uh, Muslim, uh, Hindu, Christian, like, uh, agnostic, like just, I really want it to be broad and, um, for people to realize that a lot of the boxes that we put ourselves in, we put each other in, uh, you know, they're, they're permeable. They're not, they don't have to be closed off. Um, yeah. And then for people who do want to hear more about like music stuff, there is that one of the perks of being a patron is there's like uh, lyric breakdown episodes that I do, uh, which uh, people have been really excited about. Um, so that's cool. That's the reason I signed up. So I knew that I was getting a good podcast, but I, you know, you can get the podcast for free on Spotify, etc. But then I signed up to be a Patreon because I wanted to know the reasons behind the songs. Because you always try and work out your own ones and try and sit there and, oh, I wonder if Dustin's saying this or it's about this. But then you released the first one for Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if it'd be a 10 minute little summary, but it ended up being like a 45 minute episode, really in depth. And it was like, fucking hell, this song's got so much to it. Well, what's cool about doing it too, at least for me, is is so I'm taking input from the patrons on what they felt like, yeah, and what it's meant to them, um, taking questions, whatever, and so taking all that and realizing, like, it gets, it shows me, man, this song has reached further and in different ways than I ever thought of, and that is actually like enhancing the way that I even view it now. And so the point of it is not to like explain the song away, but to kind of open up a, a bigger discussion of. 
uh, how we look at lyrics in general and, and the ways that they can shape us or that uh, we can change our interpretations of them over time. And, yeah. The interaction you're doing with the fans is amazing. Um, the fact that you read out and just did a Q&A recently. Um, fair play to you as well because I do the podcast on my own I've got no producer I do it all but I hate the sound of my own voice so mm-hmm. I'm sitting there recording my intro and just do a two minute intro to this I do about ten takes because I'm like oh I didn't like the way I said this and this sounds a bit false and I could hear you kind of with full respect at the start being a bit nervous a bit like on edge like I hope this works if it doesn't we'll see how it goes and I was like I love the honesty you're not trying to be this whole <laughs> show face like oh, I'm a podcaster now you were, you were very honest and letting your guard down Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think my skills as a podcaster are much more in the way that I kind of craft where I want the conversation to go around yeah. those lenses, um, more so than my actual speaking abilities. But uh, <laughs> actually, I, if I do like the like the intro and outro stuff, like I'll write a script for it, and I can actually have no problem doing that and feeling like, yeah, I nailed that. It's more like hearing me go like, and like trailing <laughs> off and stuff like that. So I'm. I'm learning. That's the uh, thing, is that every episode you must be feeling that you're getting stronger, you've got more kind of um, knowledge, and you're building such a, a good little uh, array of guests. Like, the second guest was Brian McDonald, and again, I didn't know anything about this guy, but he's a storyteller, and again, fascinating, absolutely completely different to Samir as the first episode, so instantly I was like, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, I, that's, that's the hope, and I... I yeah, because I don't want it to build like a feeling of you know what's where you're gonna get out of any episode. I yeah. want it to be more like the format itself works well enough to where like it comes down to believing that that anyone. I mean, I could. I think I really believe I could do the show with just a random person off the street. Yeah, and if I got a little bit of background info on them, I think it would still be worth listening to as you explore these deep issues with someone because you just you're getting that unique perspective. Yeah, uh, you're getting this human perspective, and uh, it's going to overlap your some ways, and other ways it's not. Um, the reason you know I, I do it with people at least have like some sort of public field is just because I'm able to do enough research. Yeah, and have an angle to go into it. Um, to bring something good out of it but uh, yeah what do you think about the fans out there that are limits are quite they're quite limited in their respect and they're quite small minded so when you start talking about religion or politics people instantly want to switch off because I know that you made a purpose this week of kind of coming out and saying everyone's welcome to listen to this podcast it's not for a certain audience And, and that's and that's true and it's also not to, it's different than saying everyone's welcome to have a platform on here because I need to be discerning about that I think uh, and that doesn't mean that it might not push certain buttons for certain people at some point um, because I, I do think even when you really disagree about something it, there's there's dialogue that needs to be had to, to have anyone change their mind right uh, so if you believe that you have the right point of view, which we do. That's how we live our lives, and we yeah. can change our minds. Um, then you've got to you've got to have room for other people to change their minds too. But um, uh, yeah, but everyone is definitely welcome to listen. And I think, hopefully, I think people from any you know side of the spectrum are going to be able to engage in that common humanity. Like that's that's the hope. Yeah. 
I mean, you've got you've just teased now online and announced this date for Gerard Way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's going to be one that elevates it, isn't it? Because people are going to want to listen to that for his comic ideas, his writing for Netflix, his music career. How's that come about? Uh, how, like, how did it get set up? Yeah, is it uh, I mean, you I'd... wanted at the start, or? I mean, I'm basically just, I have this giant list of people that I have some connection to. Cool. Uh, and I have tried to, or that I feel like I have, you know, a person I could get to them through. And I'm trying to, like, arrange in a way that's like, these are realistic, I feel like I can get these soon, and then how do I arrange them in a way that feels really diverse? Um, and drug was someone that came up that I was like, that would be interesting in a variety of levels. Um, we've toured together and uh, hadn't, we'd been trying to kind of hook up for a couple of years, actually. We'd text or whatever and be like, oh, we should hook up, and then didn't work out. So it's kind of, it, part of it's an excuse to just get to just like... Just hang out. Well, yeah, like, I mean, literally part of the thing is it, it, I, I get an excuse to go have interesting conversations with... Uh, interesting people and sometimes they're friends that I haven't seen in too long so I liked your comment about just asking someone on the street or something because my very first guest on this podcast was Kevin Smith mm-hmm. um, I went to the cinema I met him and I was like I'm just going to try my luck you know one of my favourite film directors and I set the bar that high that I was like shit I've kind of given such a big guest I should have just got my family <laughs> and friends on and then I followed it up with Corey Feldman and he was really getting quite deep and talking about his abuse and all this and I was like shit I really don't know how to do this and then Anthony Hopkins came on and I was like fuck like I've shot myself in the foot but I then dropped it down to an independent filmmaker who no one has heard of and then I dropped it down and I got uh, my friend Tom and he's literally an upcoming filmmaker and that got just as many downloads because people loved his honesty and the fact that they discovered about it everyone knows why Anthony Hopkins wanted to be Hannibal Lecter it's always the same sort of populated answers so with yourself having that amazing variety at the start, I'm glad you didn't launch with Gerard Way because it's just a big name. So I think you could have just been like, look, I've got this great big guest. But the fact it was someone that I had to go and read about and discover and find out more, you've set yourself up really nicely with the flow already. Well, th- thanks, man. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Like you're, I have that same feeling of like, oh, if this is, does well and then you're like what do I follow them and I just think you can't worry about it you have to focus on the content yeah just being strong on its own not about because uh, I mean who knows at the end of the day who's even going to hear that he's on there yeah or whatever but um, uh, he definitely has like the biggest reach at this point of anyone that's going to be on it um, but I lost my train of thought thanks refused yeah um, but, uh, but my, one of my next guests who I've got on was I went to Philadelphia with my dad for his birthday. He's like 82 years old and I took him on a Rocky tour. So he loves Rocky. Oh, that's cool. He's never been out of the country on a plane. I took him for his birthday and we had a tour guide that took us all around who told us all about Rocky and he's a massive enthusiast. I sat down with him and did an episode and it's my favourite. Really? And for me personally, it beats... I sat down and interviewed Mads Mikkelsen and had a great time with him and Jason Mewes and all these people. But that's my favourite, because it was real. He was telling me stories about how Philadelphia is so bad for the drugs and all this, and it was a- astonishing. And I was like, I need to not worry about this legacy of these names and just get content. Yeah, well, and I think it helped, obviously, to start with those people. But it, you find, I think anything you do, you start it and you go and then you, it, you settle into, like, you don't know really what it's going to be. 
you've got that's kind of like a dream list, like the you know the, the out of reach, but maybe because I have, I've got Kurt Russell. I want to sit down with Kurt Russell. <laughs> that's your big one. I want Kurt Russell. Uh, let me look. I got John Carpenter, so you know, I was like, I want Kurt Russell. How are you getting to those contacts? Honestly, I don't know if it's just a case of people are just like he's not trying to get a headline. Um. Seen Stranger Things one and two? Yes, dude. Three and everyone told incredible. me the third one is. I know. And Some it's people my don't like favorite it. TV shows it. ever. So I don't know why I haven't got around to it. And there's nods to John Carpenter and all this. And I'm just, I'm just being an idiot. I just need to stop watching The Office and give it some time. Yeah, that's really good. With the future uh, with you guys, obviously you're touring at the moment. The last time I spoke to you, you told me that you were working on an album with your brother, which is going to be an indie <laughs> album. 
Has uh, anything happened since then, or is that still in the pipeline? It's there. It's like both of us are busy, so it doesn't get worked on as much as it should. Um, I think he's coming out and on tour with us in the spring, so uh, we might team up and work on it then. Um, but yeah, it's it'll be kind of electronic indie, whatever. Very different. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's probably certain thrice things that it could be somewhat related to, but it, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about the idea. We have a bunch of cool kind of songs. We just need to develop them, but uh, I, I still got this burning feeling that one day you're going to do a soundtrack. Uh, that would be cool. I've thought about it. I think I could do it, but I, it's the kind of thing that I just don't know when I would ever have time to do it. Yeah. Um, it's it it seems very time intensive. Um, I don't know. I talked to Andy from uh, Manchester, and they did the soundtrack for that Swiss Army Man. Yeah, just crazy. Uh, and I mean, they loved doing it and worked really hard on it. But like, it it was so not worth any kind of money for the time that they yeah. spent doing it. Um, so. Mm. It, I don't know. I hate having to think about that stuff, but if you have a long period where you're not making any income and then yeah. at the end of it you don't make income, that's rough. <laughs> what about another solo album? So I've just been listening to your last one in the car for the last week and a half, solidly, and I was thinking, I wonder if he's got an urge to just pick up the acoustic again and do some more sort of solo material, or you was more invested in just writing with the rest of the band now? I mean, I just I have an urge to make way too many things. I have, I'd love to do another solo record. I've got another kind of side project that I would want to do that I have a bunch of material for that I just don't have time to develop um, you're going to be a painter as well last time I spoke to you because your wife paints at home and you're going to join her and start painting as well I failed at that <laughs> uh, well she hasn't been doing her stuff that much but um, no that would, be, that would be really fun that would definitely be like actual hobby like yeah just just to chill out but um, good good reminder Maybe when you retire, you sit and just paint by the sea. Yeah, sounds great. That's when you've got all the life for it. <laughs> and uh, obviously with the podcast now doing really well, you've got this tour coming up. You're then doing a tour for the celebration of the, is it 10th anniversary? 15 years? 15, 15 years. years anniversary. BC, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're doing a visa tour in the States. So we've never done a record tour. No. Um, and we just... I don't know. It feels like it can be kind of a money grabby yeah. kind of vibe, and we never wanted to do that. But this is like a really important record for us. It's 15 years it seemed like a cool thing to do. So I'm really excited about doing it. There's like there's at least one song in there we've never played, and definitely a bunch that we haven't played very much. But um, that'd be good as well. Getting back into the rehearsal room and trying those old songs you haven't played. It feel like you've must have been years since you played some of them. Yeah, there's some that are definitely staples. You know, like. Earth will shake, uh, dust the nations, um, and then yeah, some that uh, like Atlantic we've played forever, I'm sure. Monster Flame, uh, yeah. There's some we played a lot for a while and then haven't played in a long time. Stand a few worth, or uh, Red Sky is kind of a staple of that too. So. Yeah, and we filmed a video for that in England. Nice. Are you gonna bring trivia. that tour over here or not? Uh, there's not a plan to. Um, I think just because we're here so close to it yeah. right now. Um, we did come twice 
So there it is. There's my interview with me and Dustin Kensrew, my favourite songwriter, my favourite singer, in my favourite band, and now probably my favourite podcaster. Yes, I'm absolutely thrilled he's been on today's episode, and I hope you listeners out there have enjoyed it just as much as me. As I mentioned and we discussed on this podcast, Dustin's new podcast is called Carry the Fire. I don't subscribe to many podcasts due to my time and most of my spare time is actually spent listening to Mark and me and skip the end during my editing time. But with my drive to work, I've been listening to all of Carry the Fire. I'm one of the patrons, so I get all the access as well behind the lyrics to the Fry songs, which he's broken down. The most recent episodes of Words in the Water is absolutely fascinating. Even if you're not a huge fan of the band, this is an amazing podcast and it goes into great detail about the lyrics and meaning behind the songs. And I find that absolutely incredible. So yeah, go and check it out. If you want to listen to the normal podcast, you can go out there and use all the different sort of apps and software out there. I use sort of Spotify or iTunes and they're all on there for you to listen to now. If you love Mark and Me, as always guys, if you can go on to markandme.com, on there there's my Facebook page, my Instagram page, my email address, but also you can go on there and sign up to my own Patreon. And you can go on there and support the podcast as little as $1 a month, and you can't even buy a pair of tights for that. So yeah, I think that's value for money, and for that you're getting an episode every single week. And as you know with Mark and me, I don't make any money from this podcast. It allows me to travel and conduct more and more interviews like I did with Dustin. And you know, I really do love doing face-to-face interviews. They're a lot more intimate. You get a lot more of an engaging conversation. But obviously, I need money to travel. And that's what I use all my Patreon money for. And it's much, much appreciated. In the meantime, guys, like I said, go on to my website Post what you think about this episode, tag Dustin in, tag Carry the Fire podcast in. He'll read all the comments. I've been talking to him since and he's been loving the response, so please keep it coming. And I'll be back in one week's time with a brand new episode. So take care and I'll speak to you all then.
Living in a coal mine Told time to come 